This episode of Unqualified is brought to you by State Farm. Of course, you know that State Farm has surprisingly great rates. You probably also know that State Farm can personalize your insurance policy with options like insuring your ride and your home with great rates on both. Then again, it may come as a surprise when those great rates mean you don't have to give up what you love for great insurance. In the spirit of surprises, State Farm has asked me to share another surprisingly fun moment from my career. A year after the filming of Scary Movie, I was told that there would be a premiere in New York. I had never been to a premiere, but since I could barely afford my 250-square-foot apartment and 1994 Honda Accord, I was pretty sure I wouldn't be attending this one. After explaining this to my manager, he laughed. So I went along with the joke, just as I had during filming. At this point, I still thought Scary Movie was a horror film. A week later, I found myself in a New York hotel room getting ready for the premiere. The hair and makeup team was a little confused that my hair was now blonde instead of the dark brown it had been in the movie. All was forgotten when someone showed up with a beautiful Armani dress. With everyone fussing over me, I felt a little bit like Cinderella. Stepping onto the red carpet was an out-of-body experience, and one of my clearest memories was when I overheard a photographer ask if he should take photos of the blonde chick. I was surprised when I heard someone tell him that the blonde chick was the star of the movie. Here at Unqualified, we love State Farm because they provide coverage that meets your needs at a great price. And remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there with surprisingly great rates. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Hey everyone, today's guest is the brilliant and funny Jason Biggs, who you probably know from the American Pie movies, Orange is the New Black, and the new Fox series Outmatched. Before we begin the episode, I want to read a couple of your letters. The first is from Charlene to Brittany, who we called on our last episode with Josh Gad, and here it is. Dear Brittany, I am a stepmom with a high-conflict biological mom, too, and I relate so much to your testimony. Even though I was really good to my stepson's mother and helped her whenever possible, I never got any kindness or even basic politeness, such as a hello. Then it got much worse. The closer I got to my stepson, who is the second love of my life, the more hostile she became toward me. She would tell my stepson awful lies about me and that he was not allowed to love me. She even tried to convince him that he was allergic to my perfume. One time she tried to sue me for harassment after I called her repeatedly the day I took my stepson, her son, to the hospital. She was on vacation. Despite the effort she made to get in between my marriage and my relationship with my stepson, none of it worked. I would suggest to Brittany that she try to ignore Jade's mom and block her out of her life as much as possible. Focus on your stepdaughter and your partner. This woman will keep poisoning and bullying you as long as you let her. There are a lot of stepmother support groups on Facebook that have helped me through this. I really suggest you look into them. Being a stepmom is extremely hard, but it's also so very rewarding. Hopefully you and your partner will get through this. One last thing, maybe consider parallel parenting instead of co-parenting. A lot of parents have found success in this method. I wish you good luck and send lots of love, Charlene. Thank you so much, Charlene, and thank you again for your call, Brittany. I can only imagine how you both must feel, and I, I so appreciate you helping each other. Hearing these stories and sharing your own, it's so valuable to anyone living through similar experiences. Thank you, guys. 
This next letter is from Tiffany to Elizabeth, who we called with Lizzie Kaplan. Hi, Anna. I really enjoyed the podcast with Lizzie Kaplan. You are both such hilarious and strong women. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Tiffany continues, I so relate to Elizabeth as I had an extremely similar situation with my most recent ex. We were together for nearly four years, with the first year being what I would consider normal, specifically regarding sex. After that first year, we basically just became good buddies who lived in the same house. I completely understand Elizabeth's anxiety over wanting to end the relationship, especially with truly wanting to keep the friendship going. While from an outsider's perspective, it seems obvious to move on, when you're in it, it's agonizing to know that you will most likely be hurting someone you love and care about, and that the hurt may cause them to no longer want your friendship. I had a very unique situation where I got a job out of the country and he decided not to join me, so it was like a breakup without breaking up. I always wonder if and how I would have ended it should I have stayed. Would I have had the courage? I will never know. I would like to say that it just gets harder the longer you wait. I still truly love and care about my ex and hope he finds someone beautiful with whom to share his life. Elizabeth should know that she deserves to be happy and that just doesn't seem to be the case with her current fellow. A girl's got needs. I sincerely hope they can stay friends. Much love to you, Anna. Tiffany. Oh, Tiffany, thank you. That is so wise. And Elizabeth, thank you so much as well. And listeners, you guys, I love you. Thank you. Please help the unqualified community grow by sending us your questions, your answers, and your stories. Just go to our website, unqualified.com. I love you guys. Here's Jason Biggs. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. That idea of saying something and really meaning it, Yeah. where I'm going with this. So I have a friend of mine who was Egyptian. And was? She, she, Is this a past tense she, friend? She passed oh, out. Fuck. She passed away. Well, if I it, love she, it. I love it, She though. actually was the funniest person I've ever met oh, in my God, life. I'm sorry, she was my though. best friend. She was incredible. Her name Shit. was Naveen. Naveen Mahmood. And uh, she was a stage manager in New York. And I met her doing a play 20 years ago or something. Anyway, she was incredible. But she would use this word that would mean like, you know, because I feel like you say something like, I promise I'll be there. I'm going to be there at your opening or I'm going to do this. You know, really? You're like, I swear to God, I'll be there. And then it's like, you end up not showing up. You're like, but you said, I swear to God. You're like, well, I don't really. I feel like it's not something that holds the same, you know, or I promise. You say, I promise. It just doesn't land anymore. We've taken it for granted way too many times. But she had, there's this word in Arabic, and I, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation, something like uh, wallahi or something like wallahi. that. But we butchered it intentionally, and it became this word that we would use all the time called waha. So if you said something and you really, really meant it, whether it was, you know, oh my God, this thing happened to me yesterday, waha. You know, oh my God, I this guy crashed into my car and he got out and he pulled a gun. And you're like, wait, what? And you're like, waha, really, this really happened. And so it became this phrase, this term that we would use all the time. I really like this. To the point now, even she's been now dead for quite a few years, I still use it all the time with my family. My kids now know it. You know, I'll call them out on something. Be like, did you, you know, whatever, homework. There's marker on this chair. Yeah. Did you do that? Did you do that? No, no, no. I didn't do that. Waha. And they'll literally stop in their tracks and be like, 
Yeah, I did it. You can't lie to you the wall. You cannot. Huh? It is like sacred. I love this. It is a sacred, sacred word. And I feel like now, I feel like now that she's she's dead, actually, I get to play up the sacredness of it even more. You're for sure. You know, like you have to honor you, her. You have to honor her. So anyway, so yeah, so waha um, is our uh, is our I word. But how did we get on that? that? We got on that because there's we need other words for love. And what were the other ones? Uh, love, uh, hate, and sorry. And sorry. Because, because yeah. I came in here saying I'm sorry. And then I was some sorry because I knocked something over. Yes, and- but I, and I say sorry. Well, like we all do for a multitude of reasons. And like I would say 60 to 70% of the time, I don't really mean it. Like right. it's not like I'm going to. Like, it's not like you're feeling really bad about it. It's like, it. oh, I'm sorry. Like I messed up my line. Sorry. Yeah. And then there's the moments where it's like, oh, Shit, I'm sorry. I really need to apologize. Yeah. You know that there's times where an apology is necessary. It's and- weirdly never happened to me. <laughs> I oh, totally sweet. believe that. That was a sweet laugh. <laughs> Are you good at laughter? I don't know. Do you ever have to do fake laughter? Like in a role, like acting? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it always sounds fake at first, but then I figure, and yeah. How? How? What's your trick? Because I can't do it well. I don't know what the trick. I don't know Allison if I have a Danny trick. Allison Danny yeah. told me that she's like, pretend you're getting punched in the stomach. Oh, that's interesting. So go like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I still can't. But no, that was pretty good. I, I, that's actually I That's actually good advice. I don't know. Maybe I am good at it. I feel like I've done a lot of fake laughing in my day, in my real life, probably. That's why. I think that in acting, actually, we don't have to laugh as much as we do in life, especially with multicam. Like, you're kind of not... Yeah. You so don't most, laugh yeah. that frequently. They're yep. supposed to laugh. Exactly. Audience laughs, and you—you're yep. like, supposed to. You're you supposed to be you like, know. Well, this crazy scenario is normal. Exactly. Even though you're delivering the most absurd of lines in the most absurd of moments, you're supposed to play it like it's not absurd at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, right. That therein yeah. lies the humor. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's true. But in real life, oh my gosh, Would we plenty of fake laughing. Plenty of fake laughing. <laughs> all the time. Wait, no, 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 no. But not in your. Family life, like with no, no. people you're close to. It's not like if your wife just like random interactions, funny. though. I mean, I don't know. You're a comedian, right? Surely you have people come up to you thinking they're saying the funniest thing in the world to you all the time. Does that not happen to you? No, it never happens to me. What? Mostly people are like, "Oh yeah, my mom loves your show." <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't know. Maybe in it's Amer- that- maybe it's American Pie. I don't know what it is, but I I literally oh, I bring bet. out I bring out something, especially in dudes. That makes them want to like make what they think is the funniest, wittiest comment. Of course, thinking it's the first time I've ever heard it. Can you think of just, one right now? Is yeah. it putting you on the spot? Um, like how many times? Like, do you like apple pie? Yeah, for as an example, right. you know, like whatever it is. But I, I, honestly, I've either gotten better at it or worse at it, depending on how you look at it. I, I think I'm not as quick with a courtesy laugh. Do you want to know something embarrassing? What? Last night, I was asking Michael, I said, I know Jason and I have met like at least, at least a dozen times, Mm -hmm. but I don't know when and I don't know where. Am I losing my mind? You're not, because I'm in the same boat. And that, and, is that insulting, and I think, though? No, not at no, all. First, of all, first said, of all, I think a dozen is generous. Okay. I feel like in my hazy memory of it all as well, I would have guessed five, six times. Okay. I remember once... Uh-oh. Having a conversation I was with you. you wouldn't remember anything. No, no, no. But the only thing about this conversation, Uh-oh. so I remember you talking about being from Seattle. Are you from Seattle? Yes. 
And I remember, so I guess this was like late 90s, you came down from Seattle with a boyfriend from Seattle. Is that correct? You are not totally incorrect. Okay. So how am I not incorrect? Well, I was cast in this brilliant film called Lover's Lane. I was a local hire. Mm -hmm. I changed in the porta potty Mm. into my cheerleading outfit, which was my only wardrobe. I get gutted and it looks like I'm having an orgasm as I get gutted. Okay, perfect. Yeah, there's a lot of like, ugh. <laughs> Nobody teaches you how to die in acting class, do they? I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway, I but, wouldn't know. Uh, but no, I met my first husband. He eventually dies in the movie as well. But he was from Oregon, uh, but okay. lived in L.A. But after doing this low-budget horror movie, mm-hmm. I have my parents' old Honda Accord. So I, I moved down here. So you came and, down. Yeah, and I, but I was crushing hard on the actor that I met. Up Got there it. Like, yeah. And he became your first husband. Yeah. So that's when I met you. I met you with that guy. I wonder where we were. It must have been a house party. We were always doing house parties back so in house those parties. days. House parties. There was always house parties. Well, for starters, I mean, I was underage at first. Uh, well, I guess I did turn 21 in 99. But still, it was like house parties. I mean, whatever. You went to the bar, but then it was like, Clay closes at 10 p.m. And then you're like, eh, I guess a house party. There was always someone who had a house. There was always someone who was doing a little bit better like, than you were. Like, I remember going to parties at, like, Ashton Kutcher's house right when uh, that 70s show hit, you know? So it was like there was a period for, like, two years after I, I'd moved to L.A. when it was like, I was working but not making really any money. But I'd end up at these houses of, like, dudes that I knew that got their first paycheck. And you'd be like, oh, cool, we're going to Kutcher's house. Or, you know, it's <laughs> just like, that's where you'd end up. Weren't those surreal oh my God. times? Yeah. And were they joyous? Huh. Or were they just like mystifying? I don't know. Or is there a combination of that? Yeah, I'm sure a little of both, I think. Because there know. is that crazy surreal element. Like when you've arrived to town and you're at Ashton Kutcher's house or yep. you're at your first movie premiere and it's totally. like, oh my God. Yeah. No, it's all very surreal. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's still kind of surreal for me. Maybe it helps that I move back to New York. But this town, for me, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to the town, it just has a sheen. Don't you disrespect <laughs> this town. Not well, it has here. A, it ha- not, not here. here. Not here. <laughs> Look, it's, uh, it just has this sort of weird faux glow and surrealist quality to it. The whole thing. I think partly because it is very Hollywood, right? So it's not lost on me that driving into a studio lot is not a normal thing that people, that, you know, walking onto a set of a TV show that millions of people tune into is not normal. And it's never really been normal. It's become part of my life. But I don't know, maybe it's because I've been living back on the East Coast for a few years now that when I come back here, I'm like, wait, this is crazy. This is like not real life. It is. You can make it your real life, obviously. And obviously having a family here would, I imagine, help that. But I had my kid here and we just left. So I don't really know. Wait, you and your wife just left your child here? We left him here, yeah. Good. Good for you. Wait, you sound surprised. I left him here at your house. Is he not here? oh, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. The whole thing is surreal. It's all very strange. You know, when I moved from Jersey to L.A. and had that, like, what is going on? And was that 1999? I moved in 97. 97. Yeah, I started when I was a little kid and then was, you know, kind of working throughout my childhood on and off. And then 
the beginning of high school worked a lot. And then the last two years of high school, I was not working, which on the one hand was great because I got to like, you know, I got my first girlfriend, I got my driver's license, I got to be a quote unquote normal kid a little bit. But then I graduated high school, went to go to college, hated it because all I wanted to do was act. And you went to NYU. I went to NYU, but I was miserable and I still had an agent and I would go out occasionally, but it was a real like, ugh. Did you want to study acting in college? I should have. I did not at the time. What did you want to study? Want to study? Really nothing else, which is why I should have gone into an arts program. But I don't know how much of it was my parents or how much of it was my thinking as well. But either way, it's a little blurry. It might have been my mom sort of made me think this, that I had this money that I made as a kid that was going towards college. That was sort of the only intention behind it. And when time came to go to college, it was like, you're going to study something else. Like, what if acting doesn't work out? What's the point of going to school for acting when A, you have an agent already, and B, You've already seen acting goes for stretches without making any money. Years. So they wanted so, a solid plan B. So they were like, you're going to college to like study something else. My parents were the same way. The problem was, all I wanted to do was act. So when I got to college, I was fucking miserable. I didn't want to be there. I was taking these classes. Wait, thinking, did you live in a dorm? No, and that was the other problem. I, should, yeah. I did not even like do the college experience. That was another bit that was all twisted. Wait, so you commuted? Commuted from Jersey, oh. yeah. Not a terrible oh. commute, but I missed out on the whole social oh, yeah, that, aspect that, of that, living that, in the That's dorms. the only thing. That's freshman year. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just like getting wasted at somebody's it's, fraternity It or sucked. Something. It sucked. And I was like taking classes that I did not want to take. So what do I want to do? And I was like, well, maybe finance. I don't know how I got that in my head. You're commuting on the train. I'm You're like, yeah, on the train. yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a hedge fund, like a hedge fund yeah, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, finance. finance. That'll be interesting, yeah. you know? And so I... I took an economics course, and then there were like some prerequisite courses, you know, like like creative writing or something, and then like... Creative writing for finance? No, it was like, because I hadn't declared myself a Uh a finance major yet, I was at the College of Arts and Sciences with a plan to transfer into Stern School of Business. That was my plan in the fall of 96, going into... uh Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. NYU. Did you have a fantasy of yourself during this time of being like kind of a hot shot head fungy guy? Like, I no. don't know. I, no. Nope. My it, fantasy. It was just like to make your my mom fantasy, happy. My fantasy happened. My fantasy was to audition for and get a part in a show that brought me out to LA and I got to leave all that shit behind. And that's exactly what happened, but not until a year later. So I went through the motions. I'm at NYU spending $25,000, $30,000 of my own money that I had earned as a kid actor. And I'm miserable taking this economics course, not understanding half the shit they're throwing at me, just going, what am I doing? Spent most of the time, so I would commute. I would take a bus from Jersey. Well, I'd have to walk up a big hill to the bus stop, take a bus into the Port Authority, and then take the subway down, the N and the R down to uh, NYU. 
And also, oh, so I was working part-time at a Gap Kids Baby Gap combo store in the Garden State Plaza in New Jersey. Were you a greeter or a fold? I was a folder. But then I made it up to a cashier, which was big. I got a key. Yeah. Handle money. Did you find everything you needed? (laughs) I did, thank you. (laughs) And I made sure everyone did as well. You were a good employee. I'm sure they were sad to lose you. They were sad. So I'm working part-time at this job, met a girl there who became my girlfriend. Wait, did she also work at... Gap Kids Baby Gap. Yep, Yep. Gap Kids Baby Gap. So she and I were seeing each other, but then I was going into NYU, but I was miserable. I'd get there... Oh, you missed her. That's also part of, part of the life of misery with NYU was also because you missed... My girlfriend's back yeah, there. Baby Gap. Yeah. That's my Baby Gap girl. Yeah. So I have this girlfriend. I'm commuting into the city. Then I would get there. If I was early, I'd have nowhere to go. I'm just like sitting in Washington Square Park in the winter. Oh. You know, like, because I didn't have a dorm. Oh. And I didn't really meet anyone. Oh I like gosh. So you're I met some. I met some kids, but then like, you know... You're just, essentially like life is not all what I dreamed. It sucked. It it's sucked. It sucks so hard. So finals are coming up. Now we're in December, the end of that first semester, December of 96, and we're doing finals. And I think I took my first, I took, you know, my creative writing final and I did fine. And then I I was taking four. I would really like to see what I wrote. Yes, I would love that. I would love that. Do you think that your parents have it? No, not my parents. I need to call Mr. and Mrs. Biggs. Biggs. And ask them if they still have your college papers. Incidentally, TMZ called Mr. and Mrs. Biggs today. No way. I get a voicemail from my dad who's like, hey, Chase, hey, listen, buddy, I uh, I just got off the phone. I just got this phone call. You never believe it. I got this phone call from TMZ. The lady said, here's her name. Hold on. I wrote it down. Okay, here's her name. It says her name. So anyway, she called. She was very nice. She just said, you know, she's like, look, uh, you know, we'd love to have Jason on the show with Harvey Levin. And if you want to call, and that'd be great. So anyway, uh, listen, I just thought I'd leave you the voicemail. And, uh, and by the way, this is some hot shit. When did I become your press agent? And then he hangs up. <laughs> that was the message well, I got from my dad. We, did you call him back? What was I, the, no, what, I what literally was just scoop? got it right now. Oh no! What is this? But the point is why this: is TMZ why calling? the fuck is TMZ calling? Well, that's, we got to find out. I can't believe uh, we haven't found this out yet. No, because then I, I wrote my publicist and I was like, um, "Hey, so TMZ is calling my parents' home line, their landline in New Jersey, and they're weirdly asking, thrilled. Ask, and my parents are kind of excited about it, asking for an interview with me to go on." with Harvey Levin and she's like my publicist was like what I said yeah she goes yeah they pitched me for you and I politely passed so I guess they were like that's not good enough we're gonna find your parents like that's gonna make me want to go on oh you tracked my fucking dad down in New Jersey oh you know what sorry Yes, I'd love to be on the show. I didn't realize my publicist had politely passed. Since you talked to my dad, yes, I guess I should go on. I mean, what? Is that hilarious? I don't know. I bet they were really protective. Of course. I don't know. My dad, it's like he they're protective, but he my mom would have been a little bit more a little more suspect. I think oh, she's Oh, yes. My, my mom, mom is too. My mom would have been way more like, um, how did you get this number or uh, okay, I'll talk to Jason. Whereas my dad was like, "Oh, okay. I'm sure oh, sure I'll let him know." Do you want to know my theory about that? Women are trained at a younger age to be suspicious. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you I just mean, accepted that. I believe that. You didn't even question it. No, I'm not going to question it. Yeah, all right. See, I'm suspicious about why you're not questioning it. Jenny is very much of that sort of mindset. Uh, yeah. I bet our parents are not dissimilar. Similar. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, are you okay with crying? Like, do you cry ever? Because I can think of yeah, yeah. I'd say a fair amount. Like how? Like how? I'd probably say more. I'd probably say above average. What does that mean to you? Like once a month, once a week, at least once a month. I would say at least once a month. Do you do it privately? Both. Privately or with my wife. That's like a full like, I got to get these tears out. I have a lot of feelings. Let's get them out. But also I get choked up a lot lately. I find that now as a parent especially, I find myself getting choked up at the weird. Last weekend I was home and my kid out of the blue just goes... um Oh gosh! Oh, of course, you know, because because like like they're in New York they're and in New York. away. And first of all, I flew home Friday. I fly home Friday nights after our show, and I get in Saturday morning, and then I have all day Saturday and Saturday night, and then I have all day Sunday, and then I either fly back here late Sunday night or first thing Monday morning. And I've been doing it every weekend, and it's been fine, and it's been great, you know. Because even if I'm tired, I get there, and then the boys come running to me, and it's like, okay, this oh, is the gosh, best. Oh gosh, that but must be so difficult to get it back on, on that the plane, plane. Is hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, but this was the first weekend when I got there on Saturday morning, where I was like, Ooh, I did not sleep at all on Friday night's flight for whatever reason, and I was just struggling. I was like, oh my gosh, this weekend's going to be hard. So I get there and. It's great, obviously, see the boys, it's awesome, but right away there's stuff. And Jenny, you know, when I show up on the weekend, she's like, deuces, later, I'm out, because she's been with them all week, of right. course, so she, you know, it's like I'm I'm there not just to see the boys, but I'm there to relieve her a and bit, too. And how old are the boys? Six and two. Oh, boy. So yeah. it's full on. Yeah. And my oldest had a birthday party to go to. Like, I landed at, like, 9 a.m. I had to take a super late red eye, and the party started at 10. So I literally go from JFK, get to the apartment, literally grab my son, go get a birthday present, and show up at this birthday party. And by the way, I had a fine time at the birthday party. Sid loved it, my oldest kid. He just had the best time. But then he wants to stay after the fact and, like, stay longer with oh. his friends. And so then I became the bad dad because I'm like, Sid, we got to get back. Like, I got I to. Yeah. What I'm just struggling. You- I was like, well, we have to go back and see mommy. Mommy wants to see you, you know, because he's obsessed with his mom. So it's like if I play that card a little bit, it's like, buddy, we have to get back. Mommy's That's waiting good. for you. That's good. Yes, she was not waiting for him. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, later that night, Jenny and I get into a fight. Stupid fight. And at one point during the fight, I remember saying, you know, I don't have to come home on the weekends. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I fly in, I take a fucking red eye, I'm here, I spent all morning with the boys, and I'm getting, you know, we're in this fight. I was like, I don't have to come home. And she's like, she's like, no, but see, what? here's how could you do that? But here's how I, much I've changed. As yeah. I've gotten a little bit older. No restraint with that? Like there wasn't, was there a moment where you were like, maybe this shouldn't come out of my mouth? Yes. And I had that restraint for a good while until it just went away. Yeah. Well, but the good news is this, party. the good news is this. Yeah. I recognized it right away. I apologize right away. Oh, that's sweet. I said, I'm home. You know why I'm home. Oh. I wouldn't miss it for the world. And I'm super sorry and blah, blah, blah. But still, there was that moment. And then the next day, same thing. She was like, okay, I'm going to go. I had both boys. And then we went out in the morning and then I had to come home to put the little guy down for his nap. And then Sid and I, my oldest, were out in the living room doing a puzzle. And it's quiet. You know, we're putting the pieces of this puzzle together. And at one point, he just unsolicited out of nowhere, just turns to me and goes, daddy. I go, yeah, buddy. So I want to tell you something. I said, oh, okay, sure, pal. What? He goes, I'm really lucky that you're my daddy. Oh, my God. And I got choked up. You just brought it all back around. So that was the last time I, like, cried. You know, and I'm like, oh, buddy, thank you. I gave him, like, the biggest hug. I mean, he was literally like, oh, I can't breathe. 
You have to uh, let go of me. Those and are I was those like, moments. Those are those moments. But like, that's why I went home. I mean, not just the, obviously, yeah. to, and also to help my wife. I mean, the she's like alone with these kids during the week. I love that. Yeah. Anyway. Support for Unqualified comes from Best Fiends. This holiday season, whenever there are tables to be set, pots to be stirred, dishes to be washed, or uncomfortable conversations to be had, why not disappear into your childhood bedroom to play the only match three style game worth playing? It's the one with an actual storyline, cool collectible characters, and nonstop action-packed adventure. It's the one with literally thousands of challenging puzzles to solve. Yes, I'm using the word literally correctly, and yes, of course, I'm talking about Best Fiends. No Wi-Fi under that poster of Cindy Lauper? No problem. With offline mode, your Best Fiends are ready to go anytime, anywhere. With new challenges and new levels added all the time, Best Fiends really is the perfect escape from any family obligation. So download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. But I I cry a lot. Why did you ask? Because I don't cry very frequently. No? No. And uh, my mom was always like... If she ever saw me crying, she was like, "You're not a victim. Like you, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like you don't you feel sorry for yourself? You have, and which is true. Like I, I yeah, but that can backfire. But so I still have a hard time crying in general, especially if I have to do a crying scene. I use the menthol sticks, mm-hmm. which is like cheating, you know, because I can't get there. <laughs> but no, I was I was just thinking about that today. A friend of mine was telling me that hormones are released through tears. And they're different from like onion tears. And it sort of recalibrates your emotions. Yeah, I think Recalibrates so. your whole like makeup. And I think it would be healthy makeup. for me if I learned how to cry without feeling completely ashamed. In recent years, I've definitely cried a lot more. And I think part of it is being a parent. And I didn't know I could love something that much. You know, I'm dealing with an emotion that is so extreme that I can't help but think of loss. I mean, that's where my head goes, is like, God forbid. You know, like, look, we've already had some shit in New York. There was a terrorist attack not too long ago. My kid was nearby. I wasn't with my kid. That alone is enough to go, (gasps) your head goes to these fucking places. And it's funny because I used to give my mom so much shit. Mom, stop. I'm going to be fine. You know, like I'd be going out in high school. Call me when you get to... Mom, get back the fucking hell. I'm fine. Dude, I so get it now. There's this notion like when you're not with them and you can't protect them right there in person, it's like, oh my God, what could happen? And it's so hard for me to not spin about that. But I'm working on it. But I mean, that idea that like you love something so much that, oh my God, what if it wasn't here? Would your wife and kids ever move here temporarily? Or how do you feel about that? I think, you know, if I'm on mom, yeah, we're all out here for sure. We got to see. This is a short first season. It literally hasn't premiered yet. So we have no idea what we're working with. We had a kind of a weird scenario last year where when the show got picked up and they thought it was maybe going to be for the fall and we weren't sure how many episodes. So we had a lot of sort of possibilities. And one of the possibilities we entertained was, oh, are we all going out to L.A.? Once we found out it was only 10 episodes, maybe a couple more. And especially once we found out that it was mid-season, we're like, it doesn't make sense. My oldest started kindergarten this year in New York. We're too settled. It's too much. Now, 
if the show works, you know, if there's like a full order for a second season, then we have that conversation again. But honestly, we're just taking it really just trying to take it one thing at a time. That feels so smart. Because, well, you know, it's like, okay, maybe the show does okay. And, you know, we do get a second season, but it's not a full second season. It's like, you know, you gotta, I don't know, there's just a lot to consider. So do you guys shoot Outmatched at Fox? Yeah. And is there a live audience? There is, yeah. And how do you feel about love that? Love it. So I love it it's too. It's the best. It's I the love best. it too. They're so forgiving. It's the best. The multi-camera sitcom. It's deceptively difficult, right? Yeah, because the idea is that in the best case scenario for the viewer, it's easy. You hear it, you see it, you know when to laugh, you hopefully do laugh, but it's easy watching in its best form. But in order to get to that place both from the writing and the performance standpoint, it's actually quite difficult. It's a very specific formula. I equate it to a song. Everyone has to know how to sing the song. There's a very specific rhythm to it. It's a very melodic thing that not everyone can just drop into and sing along with, right? So from the way the jokes are written to the way they're performed to the timing of the joke delivery to the alternate reading of the joke, it's a formula. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I love the idea of the musicality, but I also think there's a combination of being a, like a baseball player. Like, okay, here's where I'm up to bat. Here's mm-hmm. where I pitch. Yep, and here's totally. where I'm like on the outfield. Knowing your position, which At, is Which all, changes constantly totally. from line to line. Yeah. And it's ego bruising sometimes and mm-hmm. ego gratifying sometimes. I always think about like every day of the week, there's like a different, very specific amount of stress. Mm-hmm. It feels like in our industry, the stakes are so high. Yeah. <laughs> so who encouraged you acting wise? Was that both your parents? Yeah, I think so. They were very encouraging. It's weird. So I started because my older sister was doing it first. 
And she was in this dance group in New Jersey. She's a bit older than me. And she was in this dance group when she was a kid and was quite good. And they like found some success and they traveled around. Because we grew up right outside New York City, a lot of the other girls, their moms started taking them in and get agents and managers. Did your mom do that? So my dad, my mom did that, sorry, with my older sister, thinking, hey, you know, if she works and she gets commercials and she's doing theater and whatever, any, you know, A, it's a fun hobby, but more than that, it'd be a good way to maybe put away some money for college. And so at one point, my older sister, myself, and my younger sister were all doing it. My sisters both stopped as they got a little older. They didn't work as consistently, and they just kind of drifted away from it. And I just worked a lot and loved it and got some pretty big things. Yeah, They were both very supportive. I mean, my mom was a nurse, is a nurse, and she ended up, because for a long stretch between working or auditioning, she switched her schedule to work nights so that she was available during the day to take me to auditions in the city. I mean, that's a huge sacrifice. That's like, that's a big thing. And then, you know, I'd get a job. And actually, my first big job out of New York was in Seattle at the Seattle Repertory Theater. Really? That was my first job, too. No way. Yeah. At the Bagley Wright? Was that the, what was the name of the theater? the Seattle Rep. Yeah, the Seattle Rep. There's a couple theaters. There was like two theaters. You're right. I worked at the smaller one. Yeah. And so I did this play there. And we lived there for three months. And my, you know. What play did you do? It was called Conversations with My Father. It was a Herb Gardner play starring Judd Hirsch and Tony Shalhoub. So you were on the main stage. I was just on the backstage. Yeah. It was a big production. We did it on Broadway the following year. And I fucked up a lot of my lines. But I only had three. (laughs) <laughs> but you fucked them all up. Yeah, but it was an Arthur Miller. Okay, well, that It has sense, never then. been, like, actually produced again, I think. <laughs> because of you. No. Yeah. But, like, my mom came and lived with me, gave up her job, came and lived with me. My dad was by himself now with a uh, 10-year-old daughter. My older sister was out of the house, I think, at that point. But, like, you know, there's sacrifices. So, no. so they both supported it. When I was thinking about you coming over here today, I was thinking about how our careers feel like they have a lot of similarities. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about how we both started acting at a young age. Mm-hmm. We both had parents that were not in the industry. Mm-hmm. And then getting our big flashy start in same time. comedy. Yep. And, and around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think American Pie came out a little bit earlier than Scary Movie. But then to be in comedy and to have the division, like, okay, well, she's not a dramatic actor. When I felt like I'm the most dramatic person that there is, Mm -hmm. even though I can't cry, makes me even more (laughs) angry. But then to have sort of that flashy success during that time in the early 2000s. But you kind of felt like your career was out of your control. Yes. that My representation viewed me as a certain type of performer that I wasn't ready to subscribe to. Right. I, I was like, I can do anything, can't I? Can't I? Let me like at least audition. Let me audition for fucking dramatic things. That element was confusing to me. Yeah. It, is this relatable at all? Totally I relatable. I hope that it's not insulting no. in any way. No, to God, way no, not at all. you're a fucking great actor. No, thank you. No, no, no. It's not even a little bit. In fact, it's something I've thought about a lot because, you know, I look back on that time when American Pie hit and having come from a background that included not just comedy, but lots of drama, right? I'd been on Broadway. I had done all, you know. And so to suddenly, immediately become oh, you're this actor, was on the one hand, like, great, cool. I'll be whatever actor you want me to be. The fact that I'm getting offers for work, the fact that I have the apartment, the fact that I, is great. So on the one hand, 
I was actually okay to embrace it. And on the other hand, it felt like it was not quite in my hands at all. It was a decision that was being made for me and around me and not with me. And so, you know, I look back at those movies that I did right after American Pie, like those first choices. What were the first movies that I made after it? And, you know, they were all kind of the same teen, you know, comedy thing. None of them worked like American Pie did, if at all. And for a while, I had like regrets about it. I was like, wait, why didn't I hit the pause button and say, wait a minute, I'm not just that guy. Why don't we wait and not just take the sort of thing that's right in front of me? And why don't I see if I can push myself a little more? But honestly, that is so much easier said than done. You know, like Heath Ledger does 10 things I hate about you and then goes, hold on. It's a great movie. I killed it. But I'm this other guy. More power to him, right? Like, that is impressive. I didn't have that strength. By the way, I'm not comparing myself to Heath in the talent side. But I imagine if I had said, okay, I got this hit movie, but here's what I want to do. If I was super steadfast, if I was like, had all my reps going, guys, I'm not doing another fucking teen comedy. Here's what I want to do. It may or may not have happened, but... Maybe it would have. Like, I don't know. Maybe it would have been different. But in hindsight, there's no way I would have. Even now, I think about it like... I feel the same way. How do you... Also because, look, as a kid actor who had seen the ups and downs of the industry and American Pie having come so soon after that stretch of time that I spoke about earlier where I was in college, miserable, studying shit I didn't want to study. All I wanted to do was act. All I wanted was an acting job. All I wanted to do was go to LA, have an agent. I come out in a number one movie in the world. I was like, fuck yeah, great. You're offering me another movie? I'll take it. Are you kidding me? Like, there's no way I would have done it differently. There's no way. I would not have had the power. And, you know, look, did that affect me moving forward? Is there still a ripple effect of that? Yeah, I'm the last, maybe not the last guy anymore, but I am not the first guy you think of for that cool, edgy, dramatic part. I'm just not as a result of whatever. That's fine. (laughs) It's It's fucking, it's it's, it's really fine. It's true that we, we get to fucking go to work and say sometimes stupid words, sometimes beautiful words, and perform and emote. I'm so fortunate. And and a lot of that is growing up, I think. A lot of that is, for me, having kids now and having a family. The stakes are raised exponentially. For me, moving back to New York was a really big moment in my life because I have a completely different perspective. What does New York give you, though, that L.A. doesn't? Is it a soothing balm in some way? It's a very soothing balm, but it's also uh, exposure to everything else besides Hollywood. I feel like when I'm in Hollywood, and obviously LA is a, it's a great city. It has a lot to offer. It really does. For me, when I'm here, I have a hard time disconnecting this town from the industry. I can't do it. I've never been able to do it. I still can't do it. And so for me, New York allows me to do that. It allows me to take a step back and see that life is about a lot more than this industry that we're in. So when I do get work out here, I have an appreciation for it that is way different. The last multi-camera sitcom that I did was in 2011, I think. I loved the job. It was a great job. But I'm sure there was a little bit of me that was like, you know, I wish I was on a, you know, a one hour 
you're so right. You know, that is so specific. And to... right now, doing outmatched, and again, it's early days. I don't want to be doing anything else. I am so grateful to have this job, to be able to show up, to do this work. And also, by the way, it's funny how these things work out for you. I live in New York now. If there's a job that I'm going to have that doesn't shoot in New York, this is the best case scenario. With hiatus weeks, being able to go home every weekend, not worrying about shooting until four in the morning. I mean, you know, being able to FaceTime my kids every single day. And what's also awesome about the multicam scenario, this is one of the things that I enjoy the most being a mom is that we are working. We're on the floor. Yeah. Like I'm not sitting on the, in my trailer. Yeah, waiting around. <laughs> waiting around. Yeah. Like, you know. Totally. But I love the work. There's so much of it that I love. Friday nights when you're taping and you do a couple passes and then the writers come in with alts. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is fun. Oh my God, that's terrifying. I love it. Oh, I hate it. Oh, I mean, no, I, I don't hate it. I love it. But I'm always, I'll break out into a sweat. Oh, that's interesting. And I suddenly, it's like my gorgeous BO <laughs> is starting to emerge and I'm like... Oh, what, what, what was that funny line that they just told me? Oh, my God. Yeah. And then they hate it when I start to say the line, but I know I'm going to fuck it up. Do you ever do that? Yeah, because they're like, don't spoil it. Yes. Just just stop. Just come totally, back and ask totally. me. Totally. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I'm just like, uh oh. And I'm not an actor that can shrug it off easily. Right. I'll start tripping. Out. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. When you were in high school, though, and you took like a Spanish test. Italian. You took Italian? Yeah. Wait, how well do you speak Italian? Not well at all. Did you ever study abroad? No, but I did once get pulled over on a road trip in Italy with a girl that I had just met. Where? This sounds romantic. And This is so before sunrise. Yeah, it was actually really nice. It was like this girl that I had met in London. I was already planning this road trip. I had to get to a film festival in Croatia. And I started in London. So I had press in London. I had press in London promoting this Woody Allen movie. And then a week later, I agreed to go to this film festival. It sounded awesome in the hills of Croatia and Istria. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. But then I had a week. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go home. I was living in LA. I'm like, I'm not going to go back. I'll just hang out in Europe for a while. And my buddy that accompanied me to London couldn't stay with me. So I'm like, I'm going to rent a car and I'm going to drive through Europe. And I will get to Croatia and I will be there for when I need to be there. Where did you pick up the car? I ended up picking it up in the south of France. So I flew or took a train to Paris. But first, I'm at a dinner in London. And I was there with our good friend who lives in London and his sister and his sister's best friend. Uh-oh. Who was oh, very no, no, cute. No, no, no. was very no. cute. And we're having this dinner and she and I are kind of flirting and a little bit. they're all bit. British, right? They're all British. Flirting, having fun, doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And Cute brunette. Cute brunette. And I tell... Classy? But giggly. Yeah. Yeah, I know the type. <laughs> so they were like, so what are you doing, Jason? You're like going to... I go, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to rent a car. I've and got I'm a week to get there. drive through Europe. And they're like, yep. what? Are you yeah, serious? And I was like, yeah. the Croatian Film Festival. I and have to be there in about a, in a week. Yeah. And they were like, you're going by yourself? And I said, yeah, that's the plan. I mean, I guess... And then my friend's sister turned to her friend and was like, well, aren't you like in between jobs right now? I really want to name her. You want to give her a name? Yeah, you want me to give really her a real like, name or no? I feel like it should no, be like feel like something no. like Tossie or like... or um, One syllable. One Fran. syllable. Okay, one syllable. Fran? No, not sexy enough. Uh, Claire? Shut up. No way. <laughs> ha ha! Come on. Yeah, Claire. Dude, that is impressive. That is impressive. (laughs) 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, she was like, oh, come on. And I go, and I was like, actually, no, really. Do you, do you, do you want to go? Meanwhile, we just met. And I was like, oh, come with me. Let's go. It'll be fun. We're going to love it. We're going to drive. I'm driving through. What are you, what are you doing for the next week? And she's like, well, nothing, I guess. I was like, come with me. She's like, all right. And so that next day, well, first of all, we immediately start hooking up. Sure. So so as soon as like, right after that dinner, things got romantic and it's like, oh, well, and we're going to You both have to know what you're getting into. If you're we, knew what to... We, were, we knew what we were getting into. So we were hooking up. The next day, I made sure everything was booked and I made, and I made modifications to the trip now knowing that I was having this girl that I was... You mean instead of staying in a hostel, you stayed the Four Seasons? <laughs> I was always going to stay at the Four Seasons, but now I'm having an Eiffel Tower view. Now I'm going to stop in Lake no, Como yeah. oh, instead of yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of going to wherever, right? So oh, like I yeah. did this whole crazy thing. Oh, that's awesome. And it ended up being this like crazy, hot, cool trip. But how did it end though? In Croatia, she had to get back. I had like one night in Croatia and she yeah. had to leave before I did. And I was like bummed. But, like I missed her. I, I kind of, I was crushing on her. And then that was sort of... Where did she have to go? She had to go back to work or something. Yeah, but who gets to leave for a week immediately? Something like she was about to start a new job, maybe. Like it was a week away. She was like, oh, I'm still around for... Something like that. Mm. You don't, you're not mm. sure. Mm. Okay, well, anyway. Mm. Maybe she just wanted an out. Uh, just, Any event. No, no, no. She didn't want an out. She just had other shit she didn't tell you about. Oh, interesting. Okay, so then but what happened? So, so she, um, so, she, she went back. I, yeah. flew, her, I flew her back. I did kind. the film festival, and then I had to go back to L.A. And then I was in L.A., and she was in London. And then we, like, emailed a little bit, but then, like, life just kind of went on. But then I had to go. I made, like, another trip to London not, I don't know, like, a couple months later. Yeah. We hooked up again. I just called her and we yeah. hooked up again. And then she was in LA at one point. Oh, wait. What were the red flags, though? Like, was there something that she said at one point that was like, huh, that seems a little funky? Because it seems a little bit unclear mm-hmm. to you about what she did for a living. Things are not adding up in this story, Jason. Yeah, I don't quite remember. I believe You're everything. You're asking too be- many questions. No, just know that it was hot. It was we hot. We had a good time. It was hot. It we was hooked hot. up again on a later trip I had to London, and then we hooked up again like years later. Whoa. Because then I had like ended up having a girlfriend for years, and then randomly she was in LA and da da da, and we hooked up like one more time, and then that's it. And I've never, I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, that's all she wrote. But it was a dope trip. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fun. There's nothing like that exhilaration of like, what kind of adventure are we going yeah. to have? And feeling secure in your own self-absorption. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I'm the only thing that matters. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Do you find this to be similar for you? I'm selfish now, but in a different way. I used to be selfish in the way that most, I guess, 20-year-olds are selfish, but especially 20-year-olds that are, you know sort of given the the world as an actor in major feature films and, you know, not told no very often and have money, et cetera, et cetera, where it was just like, in hindsight now, I realized just how self-consumed I was. There was, oh, then nothing yes. else mattered in the world except my next move. Now I'm selfish in a different way. It's a self-care way. I went through this whole phase of like realizing that the world is not about me that there are other things that are way more important than me, right in front of me, my kids, etc. But now I'm in this big like, I need to take care of myself. It's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to feel this. It's okay to say that. It's okay to take time for me. And I'm being selfish now in that regard, but it's in a way different sort of style. Oh, that sounds like you're being really generous to your family. Yeah. 
I'm you gave me deflecting. a look when you gave me a look when I'm I totally said when deflecting. I added that. Oh my god, you're like oh, you're man. still very selfish, Shit. aren't you? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck, I am. I don't know. Maybe I am too, and I'm just. I don't know. But something about the idea of okay, so each job feels temporary. We make these close friends. We land a job, which is like the most thrilling thing. To Such actually, a high. Such a high. And then we work these temporary jobs. And then we go out and like a, a few months later try to get another job so we can afford our newly expensive home. But mm-hmm. we were like, oh, well, that seemed like a good idea. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that creates a specific shell. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's a disposability. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm right about that? It's very, it's interesting. I think I understand what you're saying. This idea of being disposable. Because you're not wrong about that. We are a dime a dozen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I think sometimes that people who are making decisions sometimes in our industry... Feel that. Yes. and sure. And I do think that that's why... We have to be proactive. Totally. Well, no, no, no. Let me clarify. I, yes, I, do, agree, I you know agree that I, mean? I offer something specific and good and worthy of employment, as do I think that of you, as do I think that of a lot of my peers. But in general, if we're going to look at the way employment in this town works, yeah, there's lots of horses out there. And look, I'm sure, by the way, there's jobs that I've done where, you know, I mean, maybe American Pie is one of them where you go, well, couldn't be anyone other than Jason. And believe me, there's jobs I've done where it should have been someone else. Oh <laughs> you know, like, it is what it is. There are lots of us out there. It is highly competitive. But that's why, like, I don't know. I'm just grateful to still be in the race. Oh, completely. You know what I mean? The fact that I can still, you know... I, look, I've had people... Look, in social media now, I've had serious issues with trolls. Um, really? I've, yeah, I've gotten into trouble before. But how on did you? How did you find out about that? Because I just don't look. I'm That's too terrified smart. to look. I, for a period of time, I was sort of hung up on this idea. Basically, at the when social media really started taking off, like when Twitter started taking off in you know 2009, 10, when it was mostly comedians and a couple of news outlets back when you could be funny on Twitter, and I saw for me an opportunity to because I was in a bit of a sort of weird place career-wise where I was still like the American pie guy but that was it but I wasn't working really and it was just kind of a really weird time for me and Twitter was this opportunity I thought for me to show a side of my sense of humor which was a bit more uh, out there outlandish and provocative 
And so I became sort of this, you know, this not forced or made up personality, but it was a bit of a caricature of myself. What did you do? I just made jokes, random, random jokes. Unfortunately, some of these jokes got me in trouble and it really fucked me up for a while. At first, I was so, like, combative and... and, uh, Oh, you were? Yeah, and very, like, you know, what? It's a fucking joke, people. Lighten up. And taking no responsibility for for my own involvement in it. Which, by the way, there's still... It's like, yeah, dude, we... Fuck, man. Times have changed. And it's, you know, uh, it's part of the deal now. But at the time, it was... You know, I was very, like, what? I can't make a joke about this. Oh. So I dealt with a lot of... Well, for starters, like I had like death threats, okay, but also just a lot of like people saying, you know, you're washed up, you're you're done, you'll never work again, what fuck you. And by the way, when I would make a good joke, I would get all these people, and by the way, my followers grew and grew and grew, so really, it was a very vocal minority of people. But the minority sometimes But the minority hurts so bad, right? So the majority of people didn't even know that I was in trouble for a tweet. They just liked it, laughed, and moved on. But then there was this other group of people that were like, what? And it was a story on Fox News, and then it was da-da-da-da-da, and then I was in trouble with my employers, and then all the shit was happening, and I would read these comments from this minority, but there's a part of me right now that's sitting here because even, you know, in my darkest days, you start to believe that shit. I know. You go, holy shit. Yeah. Oh my God. I am washed up. Holy shit. I haven't done anything since da, 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 da. And I am just making jokes on Twitter and this person really does hate me. Oh my God. Like if people hate me, I'm never going to get employed again. And da, 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 da. I know that people talk about this a lot. But it is, it does feel very true that you could get 20 nice things said about you. And then there's that one thing that stings so mm-hmm. hard. I started Twitter with the same, and I started just like fucking around. Like yeah. I would be like, oh yeah, here's a day in the life of like, uh, I don't know, I'm like brushing my teeth. Like who's going to, like I have four followers. And then it started to become this idea of a bigger responsibility mm-hmm. that started to become scary. It, not that I felt threatened, but that my career would be threatened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it or, actually handcuffs you a little bit. Oh, completely. See, I thought the opposite, too. I thought it was an opportunity to break out, to rebrand. Yeah. Or, and or like, it, this is my chance to be like... And I'm, it ended up being something yes. that actually felt like it was hurting me. Yeah. And I had to actually take a major step back from it and be like, oh, okay. Support for Unqualified comes from The Pill Club. Do you need to renew your birth control prescription? Want to switch your birth control? Maybe try it for the first time? Whether you know the brand you want or you're looking for help finding the best option, The Pill Club medical team has your back. The Pill Club is a birth control subscription prescribed by a medical professional and delivered straight to your door for free in discreet packaging. No trip to the doctor or waiting in line at the pharmacy, and inside your package, you'll find fun self-care gifts and goodies. Has your pharmacist ever given you a present? The Pill Club carries over 120 FDA-approved brands. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $7 per month without insurance. Healthcare for women doesn't need to be complicated. Right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash unqualified, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every unqualified listener who becomes a patient. 
Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's thepillclub.com slash unqualified to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember, thepillclub.com slash unqualified. You must use the link to make a donation. Jason, we're going to call a couple of people. Let's call some people. Okay. Hello? Hi, is this Andrea? Yes. Hi. Hi, Andrea. I'm here with Jason Biggs. It's Anna. Hi. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. So about eight years ago, we had a good friend of ours who is my best friend's husband. He came and approached my husband to borrow some money. He was having some difficulties paying his mortgage. My husband came to me and I was immediately kind of uncomfortable with the idea. I didn't want to come into between our friendship. I was worried about, okay, well, what if he doesn't pay us back? My husband was insistent saying, hey, he'll pay us back. It won't be a big deal. He just needs this temporary loan. We'll put in a payment plan and everything. And I still was very hesitant about it. And I said, you know what? I don't think it's a good idea. But at the same time, my husband makes significantly more money than I do. So I felt a little like maybe I didn't have as much of a say and if he wanted to lend this money, especially if it wasn't going to put us in like financial straits. So I kind of distanced myself from this decision. And I said, okay, listen, I don't want to do it. But if you want to do it, it's your decision. And just know that I don't agree with it. So he ends up lending this money. And then a few months later, he ends up lending some more. And, you know, every once in a while, I would bring up, oh, you know, has he paid anything back? And, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll get to it. He'll get to it. And then after a few years, I just kind of stopped asking, you know, I'd bring it up every once in a while and say, hey, how's this loan going? And he would ask our friend about it, and he would pay him $100 here or there. My biggest problem was that he made my husband and in turn me promise not to tell his wife, who is one of his friends. Oh, boy. Yeah. So this whole time, we're basically keeping this giant secret from her because he can't figure out his finances. So about a year ago, we were planning a vacation with our group of friends who they are a part of. And we had kind of planned it with a couple other friends. And it was at a time we knew that this other couple couldn't go. So we didn't really include them in the planning process. Well, we send an email to everybody and say, hey, you know, we're doing this if you want to join us. Well, our friend ends up texting my husband and reaming him out saying we were being inconsiderate and bad friends because we didn't take into consideration that they couldn't go on this vacation. And at that point, I was like, hold the phone. Like, you're telling us that we're bad friends because we didn't invite you on a vacation that clearly we have lent you a whole bunch of money and you probably shouldn't go on anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we also, on top of that, found out that his house almost went under foreclosure again. So obviously, all the money that we lent him was just a Band-Aid and he hasn't figured out anything. And we're still keeping this a secret from my friend. So I told my husband, I said, okay, hey, you have to talk to him and say either he starts paying us back or 
I tell my best friend because I'm really starting to get sick of it. So, of course, my husband says, okay, yeah, I'll talk to him. Talk to him. And then basically our friend says, well, if I tell her, then our marriage is over and you will have ended our marriage. What? That's so what? So That's a- that layer... So what? No, <laughs> so no, no. That's of my no, no, no. That's not your problem. You, you got to well, tell her. No, 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 no. I totally disagree. What do you think? Okay, uh, having lent large amounts of money to people in my life, it totally affects a friendship. It just is a complicating thing. But do you like your husband's friend? I mean, do you like him as a person? Yeah. So it's a little complicated because I have also been friends with him for a very long time. But over the years, I have started to kind of lose respect for him because I found things from my best friend and from other people. I don't think he's necessarily doing anything malicious, but I think he really has a problem managing his finances. I have a question. Yeah. What is your relationship like with her? Oh, I love her to death. Yeah. She's one of my best friends. Now, she can be quite critical of him, and money has been kind of an issue in their marriage, but he's keeping this giant... She would be mortified if she found out. But what are the risks if she were to find out? Yeah. It seems to me that the thing that we should be most concerned about saving here... That's your relationship with her. Yeah. So is that in jeopardy if she were to find out about her husband's duplicitous fiscal ways? I have kind of thought about this a lot. I do think that she would probably be more pissed at him than she would at me. And I also think that, I mean, I was kind of dragged into this. I tried to fight this with my husband for a long time. And my husband was doing this from the goodness of his heart. I mean, he is a wonderful man. But at the same time, I was like, I feel like I don't think I should be the one to tell him. How would you and your husband be if all these revelations came to surface? It's already been a stressor on our relationship because I I told him, I was like, our friend is manipulating him because he knows that, you know, my husband is this genuinely nice person who just wants to help. And I told him, I was like, he is manipulating you. So, Andrea, wait, I have a slightly different angle. So do you guys <laughs> have sort of a close-knit female friend community? Yeah, I mean, we all hang around with each other. We all went to college together. We've all been friends for like 20 plus years. And other people in our group of friends know that we lent this money. Basically, everybody knows except for my best friend. Jason and I are looking at each other like we both have really strong opinions right now. <laughs> I'm but, like, fuck that, man. It's a virus in their relationship. Oh no, 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 no. I have the complete opposite take on this. Let me hear it. My take on this is that if you guys are financially okay mm-hmm. and there isn't a massive amount of struggle, you kind of let this go and you support your friends, you love your best friend. Right. It's got to suck for your friend to feel left out. That must be very confusing to her. And I don't think it's fair to her either. Right. We're all going to fucking die. <laughs> Just to, you know, bring like a sense of doom to all of this. But I feel like you're asking these questions for the most beautiful reason, which is how do we heal this? But I do think that you probably want your friend on vacation. You probably want everything to be copacetic. You probably want everyone to feel a sense of happiness together. And how great would it be if you guys all got to sweep over some of this shit, which will be hard. And there may be late night conversations with your husband that are like, why did you do that? 
that again? Oh, yeah. And I basically told my husband we should just consider it a gift and we're never going to get it back. Totally. My whole issue is the fact that he's keeping it from his wife. Because I'm afraid that one day either he goes through this issue again, he has to borrow money from somebody else, and he's still keeping this a secret from his wife. I totally hear you. And I was in a position a few years ago where I gave a friend of mine a large sum of money as she was getting married because she didn't want her fiance to know that she was in a lot of debt. And I told her, if you're ever in a position to pay me back, that'd be awesome. But otherwise, let's consider this a gift and let's not talk about it again. I wanted to support her. Right. Even though there's like 3% of me that has a chip on my shoulder about it. Right. It's tricky ethically. I understand what you're going through because it does feel like you want to protect your friend and you want to make sure that she understands everything. At the same time, you might be shooting yourself in the foot. You might be losing a couple of friends and not also protecting your friend. It's a very weird situation. And I totally understand what you're saying. And I totally appreciate that side of it. Because it's one of those things where I forgot about it for a long time, because I just put it out. And it was like, I didn't want it to affect anything. It's just when the situation where we have somebody who's making us feel bad about something, when we're trying to help them, that was, I think, the part where I was like, got really aggravated and annoyed. But you know, I think, Andrea, the best thing is to support your friends. I wouldn't ostracize her, like, because she's probably already kind of confused if her husband is doing some things that she doesn't know about. There could be more, whatever. Right. Probably on some gut level she knows. Right. It might not be that she knows where exactly the money came from. Could be that she doesn't want to explore it. But for you, in 10 years from now, you'll look back and hopefully still be dear friends. Right. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping it doesn't come out in some sort of weird way and then we get dragged down deeper into it. Yes, I hear what you're saying. So worst case scenario is that she finds out that you guys lent her husband money without her knowledge. But that feels like something that you can easily say to her, I knew about this. I thought it was personal. I think it's like for you guys to work out. I love you and I want to do whatever I can to support you in whatever you want to do. If she views it as a betrayal in whatever way, that feels absurd in my opinion. But this is like such an amazing opportunity for you to think about seven years from now. Right. But I do think that if this friendship matters to you, then you need to protect it. Yeah. If she ever accuses you of betrayal, that would be a little reactionary on her part. Yeah. Do they have kids? Yeah, they have a daughter. Mm. I want this. I just want this guy out of the picture. Yeah. I like want you to save her from this guy. That's my thing. I know, I'm like, but I don't think she can. Andrea, yeah. you can't. You can't save anybody from anybody. They yeah, have to make that's that true. choice. That's very right. true. You know, and they've had issues. I just don't want to be the catalyst for it if she does find out one way or another. No, no, no. I don't think you should be the messenger on this one. Yeah. Because in the future, I suspect. Who knows? But I think she's gonna really need you. And I think that you and your husband, if you guys can invite them on the vacation or whatever, like maybe that's too much or whatever, but she's going to need you. I know she is. Yeah. It might be a few years, but she's going to need you. Yeah. So loving her and protecting her. And by protecting her, I mean not telling her at this moment. Yeah. 
Well, I appreciate this. This made me feel so much better. Did I? Or did I, was I like the bearer of bad news? I don't know. No, I mean, it's not an easy situation. It's been hard because I haven't really been able to talk to a lot of people about this. If your friend's husband was cheating on her and you knew about it, that's a whole other bag of worms. <laughs> but he's keeping, right. they are married, they have a kid, they are So you disagree with me. I told you from the beginning I do. Yeah, but... But that clarifies it for me. Mm. What is the difference between him cheating with a woman and him cheating on his finances? Like, they are married, right? It is a big yeah, secret that he's keeping from her. can't be the messenger. That's fine, but the original question was, should we give the husband the ultimatum? Should we be like, you have to... Look, the husband is being a dick, it sounds like. He's like, you know what, what is he saying? He's going, he's che- chewed out her husband, Andrea's husband, saying that we were being inconsiderate by, by planning a trip that we knew... Fuck you, dude. I've you're got cheating. You're basically cheating on your wife. You're lying to her, and you're going to give me shit? Jason. Fuck you. Oh, okay. Dude's being shady. Dude's um, being shady, but it's too much for a friend to handle being the deliverer of news like this. Andrea's husband has to deal with the other husband. And the shit about like, well, if I can't tell her because she'll leave me. That's not your fucking problem. It's not your husband's problem. It's not your problem, Andrea. That's his problem. Right. He got himself into this mess. That's what I told my husband. So I told him that he should get our friend to tell her and that. Yes. How did he respond to that? My husband did it. He said, you've got to tell her. And then the whole, well, my marriage would end. And then my husband got real sad. And he said, I don't want to end their marriage. And that was about it. He wouldn't be ending their marriage. I know he wouldn't be ending their marriage, but my husband would feel that way. Like, he doesn't want to cause any any pain. Why Why should you be suffering? (laughs) Because someone else's dick moves. I hate that. Everyone needs to own their shit. Yeah, that's true. The only problem is I don't want Andrea to lose friendships over being the messenger. Yeah. That's a position that people should not be put in. Yes, that I, I totally understand. It sounds to me like it's a strong enough friendship that it will survive this. It, and if it doesn't, then you have to look at the friendship as well. Like, hmm. But she can't be the messenger. But here's what they can do is say to the husband. Yes. We are Andrew, not going to be hanging out with you anymore. We cannot Andrew, have your poison in our lives until you deal with your fucking wife. I don't think Andrea can do that. <laughs> I don't know if we solved anything. That's okay. I appreciate all the advice. It definitely gives me a lot to think about. Just remember, when you compromise his parachute, make sure no one catches you. Okay? That's all. (laughs) Have a great trip. Bye, Andrea. Thank (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. How much money have you ever lent a friend? Uh... Honestly, not a lot. But I've lent some family members some money, but like nothing like wild. But I know what happens on the other end of it, and I just would rather avoid it. But anger? No one has been shanking. What happens? No, on no, the no. Other just end the, of the it. resentment and the sort okay. of you know. Okay, fine. But it also opens a floodgate that I've just never wanted to open. At least with the people that have come okay. to me, I like giving gifts. Like what? Like well, what's the best gift you've ever given? Not to your wife. Right. Or to your kids. Mm-hmm. What is the best gift? Oh, man. Probably it's my parents, and I've given them a couple things. Mm. Like kind of after First American Pie or maybe second, or whatever it was, when I had a little bit of dough. I got them, you ready for this? New aluminum siding for their house. They were blown away. They're from Jersey, aluminum siding. It's very specific. 
type of thing, but the house was like getting old. They were like for the snow? Is it weatherproof? Kind of, yeah, it's weatherproof. But it also is like these old, like sort of nineteen seventies houses, two story houses in Jersey. They wanted the seventies look. Well, no, 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 the the house is from the seventies. Like a cedar. No, 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 because they didn't want to stand out. That would have been too fancy. That would have been too much. Sure, my mom cried. Come on. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much. And I never even got to introduce you. Should we start from the beginning? Yeah. So wait, when can we see your show? Thursday night on Fox, 8.30, after Last Man Standing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, I Anna. I could not love you more. Oh. Maybe I should send your parents a gift. You should. Some, Some new siding. It's been exciting. actually now 15 years. The siding could be replaced again. Yeah, well, now you're on a... Hit sitcom, whatever. Like. Hasn't even aired. Hasn't even aired. Mm-hmm. You're just so used to saying that you're on a hit sitcom that when you say the word sitcom, you just automatically put the word so, hit in front of it. You're so right. I can't separate words anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah.